step lightly That's what I'll do Stay clear of tornadoes They're bad for you What is a tornado It's something steals a life from you It can be anywhere Some people are heavy Driven and complex Me, I'm happy to make it From one room to the next All this pomp and scurry Never done a thing for me Me, I was born to be a dancer Gliding along life's open floor Grab me a clothespin Clip on a smile We only dance here for a little while All this pomp and scurry Never done a thing for me Step lightly That's the way I was born to be Step lightly Welcome to Boise Song Talk. I'm James Coberly Smith. Give me just a second, set this guitar down, please. Thank you. Tonight, we have a very special guest. He's one of the finest jazz composers and musicians you'll find anywhere in the world. He was born and raised in Boise, Idaho. And he spent a lot of time in his youth at the Eidenhaw Hotel, where he became friends with the great jazz legend, Gene Harris. Our guest has over 100 compositions and many excellent albums. Interestingly, he did not come here tonight to play music. Instead, he has come to talk to us about a significant event that occurred in his life. Now, let's go over and meet tonight's special guest, Paul Tillotson. <laughs> James, beautiful oh. song, nice intro, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, sir, thank <laughs> you, sir. Now, I have to tell you, I, uh, the first time I ever saw you play was at the Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Your piano playing was so joyful and so exciting because I and the rest of the people in the audience knew you were going places you hadn't been before. And you were taking us with you. And you'd take us right to the edge, and sometimes you'd take us over the edge, <laughs> but you always brought us back alive. <laughs> Recently, I saw you at uh, uh, the great Starry Story Night at uh, Boise Contemporary Theater, Jessica Holmes' production. And you spoke about another event in your life that took you to the edge. And I wondered if you might give us some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I guess tonight you can just call me the Hope Merchant. Okay. I, it's an idea for a song, actually. Okay. The Hope Merchant. and. Uh, um, in December of 2011, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer that metastasized to my liver. And uh, the prognosis was 
10 months to live without chemo and 30 months to live with chemo. And I promptly asked the doctor, well, hey, come on now. <laughs> that's it? And he said, that's it. We're going to make you comfortable. And I said, well, uh, it doesn't really work for me. Um, so I'm going to get a second opinion. And uh, I did. And the doctor, the second opinion that I went to um, down at Stanford in California said, well, we don't give up on you guys. We can, uh, if you can shrink those tumors, that's me, mm -hmm. um, then we can do surgery and get you, you know, buy you some time. And I said, well, that sounds like an option for me. That's better than no option. So I went to work on that and I was able to, uh, uh, several surgeries later and, and 10 rounds of chemo and radiation and uh, everything you could have, uh, I took it. And um, I shrunk the tumors, I had the surgeries, I uh, did, did the process, and uh, that was the American Medical Association process. And on top of that, I also worked with a, a Qigong energy healer mm -hmm. who um, helped me create some frameworks uh, to uh, guide myself through what is called the process of good health, and it's something that I'm in now. At first, I was in the process of good health and chugging along, mm -hmm. changing my diet, um, working on the five aspects of, of good health and the process of good health, those being physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and intuitive. Mm -hmm. And um, so he was a guide for me and helped me deal with all of the things that come along with a uh, prognosis like, well, son, you're going to live for 30 months. That's not my story. Mm -hmm. So uh, that came along with the, uh, you know, a bunch of ideas and uh, rethinking and reworking what I do in my life and my process of good life. And now I'm happy to say that I'm in the process of good health and um, gliding along, or now I'm flying along. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. I'm completely cancer-free, and uh, I made that change in 22 months. Wow. So, I haven't made it to 30, so on the 30th, on the 30th month, I might just drop dead, but <laughs> I, don't I, I don't think, think so. that's going to happen. No, so. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> so against all odds, uh, I, I did something that, that they uh, didn't think was possible. So I'm happy to be the hope merchant and sell a little bit of hope to anybody that's in my Always position good. or was in my position or is currently um, diagnosed with uh, any kind of cancer. Um, as long as you believe you can be better and uh, do the work it takes, which is uh, <laughs> everything that you need to do. The main points being physical, which includes your diet and what you're eating and how you're living. Mm -hmm. uh, mental, uh, which is just uh, dealing with uh, basically keeping your hopes up and your fears down and all of the inroads and things that come along. I mean, it was a pretty big mountain of fear that they handed me when they said, well, you're going to live for yeah. 30 months, kid. That's the best we got for you. Yeah, I, yeah. I was faced with a pretty large yeah. uh, portion of fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to, um, the more information I got about cancer and the more reading I did, I, I, I figured a lot of things out in the process of good health, which is, you know, how our hundred trillion cells and this micro 
organism cloud mm -hmm. that we're walking around in, mm -hmm. uh, how it all works and how your mind works with those cells. And when I looked at my uh, insides, when I visualized my insides, I saw an orchard. <laughs> and if you take care of the smallest fly, you're actually, <laughs> you're actually taking care of the universe. <laughs> hey, fly. We we, Be free. <laughs> we brought them here especially for the jazz guys. Yeah, we know man. you guys can handle anything. All right. Stinky, greasy. <laughs> so anyhow, um, yeah, so the mental is where we were, and then you got your emotional work to do, which is just clearing out uh, stored emotions. And uh, it helps to have somebody to talk to every week, somebody, mm -hmm. hopefully a third party, if you've got somebody like that that you can go to and see, which was my healer, mm -hmm. uh, helped me work things out and put a framework on my uh, progress and what I was doing. And, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of times I'd come to him with, um, okay, listen, they're, they're gonna, they want to take out 55% of my liver and my gallbladder. Do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> and we'd have a long discussion about it and uh -huh. uh, figure out the most elegant way to go uh, to uh, get me in the process of good health. And, so when I made a decision, obviously I chose that that would be the most elegant thing to do, so did that. And then uh, when that cancer was uh, biopsied, after they took out 55% of my liver and my gallbladder, and there was nothing wrong with the gallbladder, they just had to take it out, and I just had to know why you were taking it out, and the doctor didn't want to tell me. He was like, well, you don't, why do you want to know about that? It doesn't, you know, it's just got to go. And I said, well, wait a minute. God gave me this gallbladder, and mm -hmm. uh, there's no cancer in that. I'm just, I don't understand, you know. And um, finally, he said, well, it's hooked to the right lobe of your liver, and we're taking that out, so there's nothing for it to live on, so it's got to go, too. Are you happy now? <laughs> well, that's all I needed to know, Doc. <laughs> well, Doc, go on. You know, yeah. you're taking out a few parts. I'd like to know which ones are coming and staying, yeah, and really. I appreciate yeah, you telling yeah, me that. Yeah. So uh, that was um, the hardest part of my whole process uh, was that surgery. That was the most painful thing that I endured. And uh, uh, when I woke up from that one, I thought, you know, you guys want me to come back for a second surgery because they're going to take out a foot of my colon mm -hmm. where the original tumor was. And I said, well, that first one hurt so bad. <laughs> I don't, I'm not coming back here. I can shrink tumors. And when they did the biopsy on the cancer that was in my liver, they found out that it was 99% dead. So I figured, well, I shrunk tumors. I killed that cancer, so I'm sure that the tumor in my colon's dead as well, so I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. um, then I left there and got four more rounds of chemo and then had to go back and talk to the colon surgeon, and when I walked in, he knew what I was thinking because he said, I know you don't want to have another surgery, but kid, you got to have this because if uh -huh. you don't, it's substandard service and, uh, you know, every colon surgery, every colon surgeon in the country would say you should do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, only one guy I know has walked away from it and been okay, but it would be substandard service, so I would recommend you do it. And, uh, you know, so I made that decision. So now I can tell people that I've literally had a foot taken out of my ass. <laughs> I've had a foot taken out of my ass, and I'm here to tell you it's all right, kids. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like that. Uh, I'm like that. I'm like that guy in the uh, Leroy Brown tune, you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown. Yeah. 
you know, the junkyard dog. What happens to him? I forget. Oh, uh, he, he looked like the dog, yeah, I messed with him and he had a couple of pieces gone, and <laughs> that's me. <laughs> but uh, it's okay, I'm all right. I got titanium now, man. I got things. Yeah, you, you know, got titanium I got things. in you? I got titanium? Oh, I got really? titanium. Where's the titanium? In the liver, you know. They had really? To, yeah. Shoot. Yeah, they had to, they'd have to staple that together. I think there's titanium there. I think there's actually titanium in my colon now as well. Really? 24 staples, I believe, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't know. You got five foot of colon, so take, leaving a foot behind, is, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Uh -huh. <laughs> Good news is I don't have a colostomy bag. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not the end of the world either. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my, my deal is that... Uh, uh, when I was first diagnosed, too, the, the doctor that diagnosed me said, listen, um, I don't have good news for you. You've got stage four colon cancer that's metastasized to your liver. And I said, well, how many stages are there? And he said, well, there's four. I said, well, is four the worst or the best? He yeah. said, well, that's the worst. And I said, okay. Um, so now what? What's my prognosis? And he says, well, I can't tell you that. I'm, I'm a surgeon. I'm not an oncologist which was my beginning to all these terms, uh -huh. learning about cancer. Uh -huh. And I said, okay. And he says, but I will tell you this. People that say they're going to put up a good fight don't do so well. Okay. But people that believe they're going to be better do pretty well. And so I said, well, Doc, I believe I'm going to be better. And uh, he gave me the number of the healer. And he said, call this guy because, you know, if my colleagues knew I was telling you this, they'd think I was crazy. Mm -hmm. But I've seen the results, and it works. So um, here I am. The results it works so yeah and ultimately you know when I met with the healer as well um, his main job is to keep your hopes up and your fears down and uh, he was very good at that uh, in two weeks with him I didn't have any more fear of cancer and um, that's important because you're sending out messages your brain is constantly sending out messages to all the hundred trillion cells in your body and if you're scared if you've got fear um, uh, cancer feeds on that as well. It feeds on sugar, and um, so eliminating the sugar is a good thing to do for your physical part, mm -hmm. and eliminating the fear is a really good thing to do for your mental and your emotional part, because you want to be sending out happy messages to all those hundred trillion cells. Hey, yeah. we're going to stay alive here. We're going to keep going, yeah. and that's how you believe. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I asked for help. You know, I said, uh, you know, God, I've gotten this far, and I know a little bit about the story, but I know that you know the rest. So uh, please come on down here and help me out because mm -hmm. I'd like to live. And um, I made that choice. That's an important thing, too. When you're handed the death card, mm -hmm. you can take it. I mean, that's an elegant way to go because nobody's getting out of here alive. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, it's not my time yet. I mm -hmm. choose to live. So mm -hmm. I made that choice, uh, and I made the connection. That's the spiritual part. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's important because we are spirits in a body, mm -hmm. not a body with a spirit. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so uh, then what happens is you get some ideas about your diet, what you're doing right there. You're working out your mental state so that you're staying positive and mm -hmm. being, you know. Uh, cancer is a great uh, equalizer. It drops everything that's not important for me. Mm -hmm. And um, the things that became very important was my relationship with my wife and my new daughter mm -hmm. and uh, my family and God goddess mm -hmm. and all that is mm -hmm. and uh, just uh, being present and being here mm -hmm. and it's very centering uh, when you think you're going to be dead in 30 months or 20 months or 10 months or whatever you mm -hmm. you lose all the baggage in a hurry and mm -hmm. get down to what's important
Um, a lot of people ask me through the cancer, you know, are you writing songs? Are you playing the piano for mm -hmm. release? And um, actually, I didn't play for a year. I, it, I did all my energy was focused on healing my liver and my colon. Mm -hmm. And um, my diet actually helped me move energy from digestion. I'm sure we've all had meals, probably most of the meals that I ate, after I ate them, I felt really tired. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty typical, because we eat very high calorie diets and very low nutrition. And uh, I was a meat eater. I ate bacon in the morning and hamburgers at lunch and ribeye at night. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I don't eat meat anymore. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I, I eat a lot of, I, I say to people now, you know, if it, if it grows in the earth, eat it. If it walks on the earth, wave at it. Uh -huh. nice. <laughs> that's for nice. me. Uh -huh. um, and that's, this is my process. I've heard of other people that have cured cancer by getting their fishing pole and going fishing. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was uh, a discipline of eating the right foods and, and supplements and, and following the, the American Medical Association and getting Qigong energy healing and meditating and uh, focusing all my energy on healing. Okay, see, now that you mentioned the Qigong energy and the, what I thought was interesting, Paul, when I heard you, you speak at the, well, there, there were so many things I thought were interesting. All, everything you've said is interesting. Um, is that I thought it was interesting combination that you put together as you proceeded, meaning you were listening to the AMA concepts, the doctor concepts, but you had a healer and who was a hope merchant. Absolutely. And you are now. Mm -hmm. And the two of you together would sometimes, and I'm sure your wife, would have to make these decisions. Here comes this. Well, what do we do? Which is the right thing? And you, I think you sort of did a combination of things. You, you, you did all the things with the five elements you pointed out. And I continue to do it because good yeah, health, good sure, health isn't sure. a destination. You don't arrive sure. and all of a sudden, I'm healthy. Yeah, <laughs> you have to work on yeah. it every day. It's just like um, you had mentioned. Uh, that's my advice for for musicians to uh, practice 20 minutes a day, uh -huh. every day. Yeah, because that's what makes the movement. If you skip uh -huh. a day or you skip two days or a week or a month, then you're back where you started when you come back to it. Uh -huh. But if you look at it every day, and uh, and you can ask for help too there, you know. Hey, God, I know how to play a little bit. <laughs> Come on down and help me out. Uh -huh. It's amazing. If you ask for the help from the universe, you get it. Uh -huh. And that's how it works. That's what I found. So for that, me, that's yeah. how it works. <laughs> so that was your, your, your advice for, for musicians would be to play 20 minutes a day. That's really cool. Yeah. You're right. I was going to ask you, being a jazz, <laughs> this is so amazing having you on the show and, and not having you playing because that's so magical watching you do that. Thanks. But... A lot of people already know what you do, and this is where you're bringing something else. You'd sent something a, a little bit ago about, well, I didn't end up with a colostomy bag, and, but then you said, but that wouldn't be the uh, totally bad either, and I, that's right. It's because then you're you're just this is where you are now, <laughs> this right? This is where yeah, your boat is yeah, now. I'm, now exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're glad you don't have that, but you would have yeah. to spiritually adapt to that situation. Yeah, I have, um, in my neighborhood, I have four stage four colon 
uh, not colon, but stage four cancer survivors. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them has a colostomy bag, one of them survived leukemia, another one mm -hmm. tumors in every part of his body, you mm -hmm. know, like, um, it's amazing. All these people believe they could be better, and so mm -hmm. they've done it. And uh, each one's passed through, or, or, or is passing through this life in their own grace, you know, however that might be. And um, the one with the colostomy bag actually, at a party one time, I watched, I watched this person look at other people and I could see, you know, I, I'm in the middle of my process of this journey of this cancer and I'm doing chemo and I know that she's been through it and I know all the stuff, you know, though I know all the background. And I'm looking at her and she's smiling at other people and I'm thinking, man, if anybody on the planet had something that they could kind of be miserable about, it would be this person. And that's not what happened. You know, right. what happens is when you're faced with it, when you're at that edge and you get, you know, you're about to be pushed off and you look at how amazing this life is and what a miracle it is every yeah. second. Yeah. Um, I looked at her and I saw her seeing the face of God in everybody's face. You know, she's yeah. smiling, she's seeing it. Yeah. God likes to play a little game with herself. Uh -huh. She likes to look into another pair of eyes and pretend they belong to someone else. Uh -huh. It's all an illusion. Uh -huh. I'm pretty out there probably for most folks, but I, I, I think, think that... So. It's what I know now, you know, I, I know that um, all of this is passing and that my spirit will, it's eternal and it goes on forever and it's part of the universe and it's part of what all energy is made up out of and it can be changed. So that brings us and me to the next topic, which is uh, life is a dream. And uh, it just feels so real. And in that sense, I believe that um, like a dream that, when, that, you, that you have when you're sleeping and cool things can happen, but you wake up and go, geez, I wish I would have maybe completed whatever I was in the middle of in that dream because it looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. Uh -huh. And we all pull out of it kind of like, ah. Oh. And then you wake up and go, yeah, it's just a dream. I could have done it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, it's the same. It's only better in this dream mm -hmm. when you wake up because you really do have an impact. Um, you affect... You, you affect the entire universe with everything you do mm -hmm. because you're part of it. Mm -hmm. Every little thing, every act of kindness, every little move, you, you're, you're moving energy in the whole universe. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, so make your dream <laughs> the one you want. You had mentioned uh, when we were talking... The <laughs> dream other, a little dream for me. Yeah, you had mentioned the other day when we were speaking <laughs> briefly on the phone, you said uh, it's sort of uh, what you mentioned that maybe all the great world religions say, they just say it differently, but it's that essence that you're taught, that you were saying is almost, if you look into them closely there. Yeah, there's a great things. song, uh, Love is My Religion. Okay. There it's you a great that. thing, you know, you just put yeah. love first in everything you do, and then yeah. you're really sending out a good uh, mojo into the universe, which is coming right back to you, because ultimately you're treating yourself to that. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I did was, <clears throat> I, uh, visualized a lot of Pac-Man eating cancer. I visualized my universe, this body, uh, being an orchard, and mm -hmm. there was a little bit of the orchard that had to go. Mm -hmm. Out of 100 trillion cells, I had about 500 billion that had to go. So <laughs> when the chemo came in, it was like a garbage truck, and I said, hey, fellas, you know, uh, they're like workers. The cancer is like a worker that shows up on the job site ready to go, and, and uh, He's looking around, there's no foreman, there's no plans. And uh, the other guys are looking at around like, what are we gonna do? And they, they say, well, you know, because 
those cancer cells are missing a few pieces. They're successful in the fact that they can grow really fast and they figured out a different way to eat and they don't live like the other cells there. You know, they got their own thing going on. And in that, they are hanging out there and the workers are looking at each other and the cancer guys and they say, well, hmm, I think there's supposed to be a fireplace over here. So uh, um, let's, take the, let's take the cushions off this couch and nail them on the wall. Mm -hmm. There you go, there's a fireplace. And then it's like, okay, looks pretty good. Now what do we do? Well, I'm hungry. And so they just punch a hole in the wall and go over to the next apartment and pull out some chow, you know, and they're eating away. Mm -hmm. And uh, none of those things are really good for me. So mm -hmm. I said to those guys, well, thanks for showing up. Uh, don't do anything. I'm sending you a message. <laughs> don't do anything. You showed up. Uh -huh. Now, uh, see those chemo garbage trucks over there? Just get on board and you're, you're done here. And there's a place for cancer, maybe on Mars or Venus or some other planet, but not uh -huh. in here. And so I moved it out a little bit at a time. Paul, on your website, I'm going to quote what you have on there. It says, my mission is to play great improvised music, deeply touching the souls of audiences around the world, spreading the joy that is created while making music that comes from love. My question is, did you write that before or after this cancer? Event? Way before. <laughs> see, and that's what's, see, I didn't feel that you had had to do a major, on the five points, the spiritual or the one of those, I'm not sure which one it was, but I didn't feel that you must have had to make a big leap because, like I said, to say that, and when I watch you play music, it was always that joy. So you, I, I, I wondered, you know, did you feel that your music is different after this? Um. It is. I think I have a lot more uh, ability to pay attention to details. Oh, yeah. Which I think is the big separator from someone who plays pretty good and someone who plays like a master. The master knows how to pay attention to details and really get inside of it. Okay. And I learned uh, watching Gene Harris. I saw him play probably over 300 times. Wow. And that man's love for the music and the detail it's recorded, I mean, you can't miss it, but seeing it live every night, every note, there was never an off night, there was never a bad note, there was never anything short of looking at uh, God, man, I mean, this guy's the man. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that when I first was exposed to him. I was a high school kid mm -hmm. here at Bora High, and mm -hmm. I'd go down and sip a Coke in the lobby of the Idaho and hang out and, and uh, listen to Gene. I had no idea what I was listening to until I left. I heard some other people play piano that were really great. And I'd come home and see Gene and go, wow, this guy's really good. And then mm -hmm. I'd go away and see some more people. And I'd come back and go, oh, this guy's great. And then I'd go away and I'd come back. And finally I realized, man, I'm, I was sitting with a master the whole time. And that love that he created and the way that he could rule a room every time he played and bring you to that fire and bring you to the, the essence of what we are, the spirit, uh, was was a blessed thing and I got to see it and witness it firsthand, primary source. And he was really great uh, sharing Gene, that, sharing that with well, us. Well, Gene would want you to have your piano here, but since you don't... <laughs> Play a tune don't, for us, will you, man? We're going to have to uh, <laughs> scat sing this one, buddy. All right. Bad. 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 Bad.